Act Five of the Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare, translated by William George Clark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One, A Street Before a Prairie. Enter Second Merchant and Angelo. I am sorry, sir, that I have hindered you. But I protest he had the chain of me, though most dishonestly he doth deny it. How is the man esteemed here in the city? Of very reverent reputation, sir. Of credit infinite, highly beloved. Second to none that lives here in the city. His word might bear my wealth at any time. Speak softly. Yonder, as I think, he walks. Enter Antipholus of Syracuse and Dromio of Syracuse. "'Tis so. And that self-chain about his neck, which he forswore most monstrously to have. Good sir, draw near to me. I'll speak to him. Signor Antipholus, I wonder much that you would put me to this shame and trouble, and not without some scandal to yourself, with circumstance and oaths so to deny this chain which now you wear so openly. Beside the charge, the shame, imprisonment, you have done wrong to this my honest friend.' who but for staying on our controversy had hoisted sail and put to sea to-day this chain you had of me can you deny it i think i had i never did deny it yes that you did sir and forswore it too who heard me to deny it or forswear it these ears of mine thou knowest did hear thee fie on thee wretch tis pity that thou livest to walk where any honest men resort Thou art a villain to impeach me thus. I'll prove mine honour and mine honesty against thee presently, if thou darest stand. I dare, and do defy thee for a villain. They draw. Enter Adriana, Luciana, the courtesan, and others. Hold him, hurt him not, for God's sake, he is mad. Some get within him, take his sword away, bind Dromeo too, and bear them to my house. Run, master, run! For God's sake, take a house! This is some priory! In, or we are spoiled! Exaunt Antipholus of Syracuse, and Dromeo of Syracuse, to the priory. Enter the Lady Abbess. Be quiet, people! Wherefore throng you hither? To fetch my poor distracted husband hence. Let us come in, that we may bind him fast, and bear him home for his recovery. I knew he was not in his perfect wits! I am sorry now that I did draw on him. How long hath this possession held the man? This week he hath been heavy, sour, sad, and much different from the man he was, but till this afternoon his passion ne'er break into extremity of rage. Hath he not lost much wealth by wreck of sea, buried some dear friend? Hath not else his eyes strayed his affection and unlawful love, a sin prevailing much in youthful men who give their eyes the a sin prevailing much in youthful men who give their eyes the liberty of gazing which of these sorrows is he subject to to none of these except it be the last namely some love that drew him oft from home you should for that have reprehended him why so i did ay but not rough enough as roughly as my modesty would let me haply in private and in assemblies too ay but not enough 
it was the copy of our conference in bed he slept not for my urging it at board he fed not for my urging it alone it was the subject of my theme in company i often glanced it still did i tell him it was vile and bad and thereof came it that the man was mad the venom clamours of a jealous woman poisons more deadly than a mad dog's tooth it seems his sleeps were hindered by thy railing and thereof comes it his head is light thou sayest his meat was sauced with thy upbraidings and quiet meals make ill digestions thereof the raging fire of fever bred and what's a fever but a fit of madness thou sayest his sports were hindered by thy brawls sweet recreation barred what doth ensue but moody and dull melancholy kinsman to grim and comfortless despair and at her heels a huge infectious troop of pale distemperatures and foes to life in food in sport and life-preserving rest to be disturbed would mad or man or beast the consequence is then thy jealous fits have scared thy husband from the use of his wits she never reprehended him but mildly when he demeaned himself rough rude and wildly why bear you these rebukes and answer not she did betray me to my own reproof good people enter and lay hold on him no not a creature enters in my house then let your servants bring my husband forth neither he took this place for sanctuary and it shall privilege him from your hands till i have brought him to his wits again or lose my labour in assaying it i will attend my husband be his nurse diet his sickness for it is my office and will have no attorney but myself and therefore let me have him home with me be patient for i will not let him stir till i have used the approved means i have with wholesome syrups drugs and holy prayers to make of him a formal man again it is a branch and parcel of mine oath a charitable duty of my order therefore depart and leave him here with me i will not tense and leave my husband here and ill it doth beseem your holiness to separate the husband and the wife be quiet and depart thou shalt not have him exit complain unto the duke of this indignity come go i will fall prostrate at his feet and never rise until my tears and prayers have won his grace to come in person hither and take perforce my husband from the abbess by this i think the dial points at five anon i'm sure the duke himself in person comes this way to the melancholy vale the place of death and sorry execution behind the ditches of the abbey here upon what cause to see a reverend syracusian merchant who put unluckily into this bay against the laws and statutes of this town beheaded publicly for his offence see where they come we will behold his death kneel to the duke before he pass the abbey enter duke attended aegean bareheaded with the headsman and other officers yet once again proclaim it publicly if any friend will pay the sum for him he shall not die so much we tender him justice most sacred duke against the abbess she is a virtuous and a reverend lady it cannot be said that she hath done thee wrong may it please your grace antipolis my husband whom i made lord of me and all i had at your important letters 
this ill day a most outrageous fit of madness took him that desperately he hurried through the street with him his bondmen all mad as he doing displeasure to the citizens by rushing in their houses bearing thence rings jewels anything his rage did like once i did get him bound and sent him home whilst to take order for the wrongs i went that here and there his fury had committed anon i wot not by what strong escape he broke from those who had the guard of him and with his mad attendant and himself each one with ireful passion with drawn swords met us again and madly bent on us chased us away till raising of more aid we came again to bind them then they fled into this abbey whither we pursued them and here the abbess shuts the gates on us and will not suffer us to fetch him out nor send him forth that we may bear him hence therefore most gracious duke with thy command let him be brought forth and borne hence for thy help long since thy husband served me in my wars and i to thee engaged a prince's word when thou didst make him a master of thy bed to do him all the grace and good i could go some of you knock at the abbey gate and bid the lady abbess come to me i will determine this before i stir enter a servant o oh, mistress mistress shift him save yourself my master and his manner both broke loose beaten the maids a row and bound the doctor whose beard they have singed off with brands of fire and ever as it blazed they threw on him great pails of puddled mire to quench the hair my master preaches patience to him and the while his man with scissors nicks him like a fool and sure unless you send some present help between them they will kill the conjurer peace fool thy master and his man are here and that is false thou dost report to us mistress upon my life i tell you true i have not breathed almost since i did see it he cries for you and vows if he can take you to scorch your face and to disfigure you cry within hark hark i hear him mistress fly be gone come stand by me fear nothing guard with the halberds ay me it is my husband witness you that he is borne about invisible even now we housed him in the abbey here and now he's there past thought of human reason enter antipholus of ephesus and romeo of ephesus justice most gracious duke oh grant me justice even for the service that long since i did thee when i bestride thee in the wars and took deep scars to save thy life even for the blood that then i lost for thee now grant me justice unless the fear of death doth make me dote i see my son antiphilus and dromeo justice sweet prince against that woman there she whom thou gavest to me to be my wife that hath abused and dishonoured me even in the strength and height of injury beyond imagination is the wrong that she this day hath shameless thrown on me discover how and thou shalt find me just this day great duke she shut the doors upon me while she with harlots feasted in my house a grievous fault say woman didst thou so no my good lord myself he and my sister to-day did dine together so before my soul as this is false he burdens me withal ne'er may i look on day nor sleep on night but she tells to your highness simple truth o oh, perjured woman they are both forsworn in this the madman justly chargeth them my liege i am advised what i say 
neither disturbed with the effect of wine, nor had he rash provoked with rising ire, albeit my wrongs might make one wiser mad. This woman locked me out this day from dinner. That goldsmith there, were he not packed with her, could witness it, for he was with me then, who parted with me to go fetch a chain, promising to bring it to the porpentine, while Balthazar and I did dine together. Our dinner done, and he not coming thither, I went to seek him. In the street I met him, and in his company that gentleman. There did this perjured goldsmith swear me down that I, this day of him, received the chain, which, God, he knows I saw not, for the which he did arrest me with an officer. I did obey, and sent my peasant home for certain ducats. He, with none, returned. Then fairly I bespoke the officer to go in person with me to my house. By the way we met my wife, her sister, and a rabble more of vile confederates. Along with them they brought one pinch, a hungry lean-faced villain, a mere anatomy, a mountebank, a threadbare juggler, and a fortune-teller, a needy, hollow-eyed, sharp-looking wretch, a living dead man. This pernicious slave, forsooth, took on him as a conjurer, and gazing in mine eyes, feeling my pulse, and with no face as twere outfacing me, cries out, I was possessed. Then altogether they fell upon me, bound me, wore me thence, and in a dark and dankish vault at home they are left me and my man both bound together till, gnawing with my teeth my bonds in sunder, I gained my freedom, and immediately ran hither to your grace, whom I beseech to give me ample satisfaction for these deep shames and great indignities. My lord, in truth, thus far I witness with him, that he dined not at home, but was locked out. But had he such a chain of thee, or no? He had, my lord, and when he ran in here, these people saw the chain about his neck. Besides, I will be sworn these ears of mine heard you confess you had the chain of him, after you first forswore it on the mart, and thereupon I drew my sword on you, and then you fled into this abbey here, from whence, I think, you are come by miracle. I never came within these abbey walls, nor ever didst thou draw thy sword on me. I never saw the chain, so help me heaven, and this is false you burden me withal. Why, what an intricate impeach this is! I think you have drunk of Circe's cup. If here you housed him, here he would have been. If he were mad, he would not plead so coldly. You say he dined at home, the goldsmith here, denies that saying. Sirrah, what say you? Sir, he dined with her there at the porpentine. He did, and from my finger snatched that ring. "'Tis true, my liege, this ring I had of her. "'Sawest thou him enter at the abbey here? "'As sure, my liege, as I do see your grace. "'Why, this is strange. Go call the abbess hither. "'I think you are all mated or stark mad.' "'Exit one to the abbess. "'Most mighty duke, vouchsafe me speak a word.' Haply, I see a friend will save my life, and pay the sum that may deliver me. Speak freely, Syracusian, what thou wilt. Is not your name, sir, called Deantiphilus? And is not that your bondman, Dromio? 
within this hour i was his bondman sir but he i thank him gnawed into my cords now am i dromio and his man unbound i am sure you both of you remember me ourselves we do remember sir by you for lately we were bound as you are now you are not pinch's patient are you sir why look you strange on me you know me well i never saw you in my life till now ah oh, grief hath changed me since you saw me last and careful hours with time's deformed hand have written strange defeatures in my face but tell me yet dost thou not know my voice neither dromio nor thou no trust me sir nor i i'm sure thou dost ay sir but i am sure i do not and whatsoever a man denies you are now bound to believe him not know my voice oh time's extremity hast thou so cracked and splitted my poor tongue in seven short years that here my only son knows not my feeble key of untuned cares though now this grained face of mine be hid in sap consuming winter's drizzled snow and all the conduits of my blood froze up yet hath my night of life some memory my wasting lamps some fading glimmer left my dull deaf ears a little used to hear all these old witnesses i cannot err tell me thou art my son antiphilus i never saw my father in my life but seven years since in syracusa boy thou knowest we parted but perhaps my son thou shamest to acknowledge me in misery the duke and all that know me in the city can witness with me that it is not so i never saw syracusa in my life i tell thee syracusian twenty years have i been patron to antipholus during which time he ne'er saw syracusa i see thy age and dangers make thee dote re-enter abbas with antipholus of syracuse and romeo of syracuse most mighty duke behold a man much wronged all gather to see them i see two husbands or mine eyes deceive me one of these men is genius to the other and so of these which is the natural man and which the spirit who deciphers them i sir am dromio command him away i sir am dromio pray let me stay aegean art thou not or else his ghost o oh, my old master who hath bound him here whoever bound him i will loose his bonds and gain a husband by his liberty speak old aegeon if thou beest the man that hadst a wife once called amelia that bore thee at a burden two fair sons oh if thou beest the same aegeon speak and speak unto the same amelia if i dream not thou art amelia if thou art she tell me where is that sun that floated with thee on the fatal raft by men of epidanum he and i and the twin dromio all were taken up and by and by the rude fishermen of corinth by force took dromio and my son from them and me they left with those of epidanum what then became of them i cannot tell 
I to this fortune that you see me in. Why, here begins his morning story right. These two Antipholuses, these two so like, and these two Dromios, one in semblance, besides her urging of her wreck at sea, these are the parents to these children, who accidentally are met together. Antipholus, thou camest from Corinth first? No, sir, not I. I came from Syracuse. Stay, stand apart. I know not which is which. I came from Corinth, my most gracious lord. And I with him. Brought to this town by that most famous warrior, Duke Menaphon, your most renowned uncle. Which of you two did dine with me today? I, gentle mistress. And are you not my husband? No, I say nay to that. And so do I, yet did she call me so, and this fair gentlewoman, her sister here, did call me brother. To Lucia. What I told you then, I hope I shall have leisure to make good, if this be not a dream I see and hear. That is the chain, sir, which you had of me. I think it be, sir. I deny it not. And you, sir, for this chain arrested me. I think I did, sir. I deny it not. I sent you money, sir, to be your bail by Dromio, but I think he brought it not. No, none by me. This purse of ducats I received from you, and Dromio, my man, did bring them me. I see we did still meet each other's man, and I was ta'en for him, and he for me, and thereupon these errors are arose. These ducats pawn I for my father here. It shall not need. Thy father hath his life. Sir, I must have that diamond from you. There, take it, and much thanks for my good cheer. Renowned Duke, vouchsafe to take the pains to go with us into the abbey here, and here at large discoursed all our fortunes, and all that are assembled in this place, that by this sympathized one day's error have suffered wrong, go, keep us company, and we shall make full satisfaction. Thirty-three years I have but gone in travail of you, my sons, and till this present hour my heavy burthen ne'er delivered. The Duke, my husband and my children both and you the calendars of their nativity go to a gossip's feast and go with me after so long grief such nativity with all my heart i'll gossip at this feast exhort all but antipholus of syracuse antipholus of ephesus dromio of syracuse and dromio of ephesus master shall i fetch your stuff from shipboard dromio what stuff of mine hast thou unmarked? Your goods that lay at host, sir, in the centaur. He speaks to me. I'm your master, Dromeo. Come, go with us. We'll look to that anon. Embrace thy brother here. Rejoice with him. Exant Antipholus of Syracuse and Antipholus of Ephesus. There is a fat friend at your master's house that kitchened me for you to-day at dinner. She now shall be my sister, not my wife. Methinks you are my glass, and not my brother. I see by you I am a sweet-faced youth. Will you walk in to see their gossiping? Not I, sir. You are my elder. That's a question. How shall we try it? We'll draw cuts for the senior, till then lead thou first. Nay, then, thus. We came into the world like brother and brother, and now let's go hand in hand, not one before another. 
Exeunt. End of Act Five. End of the Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare. Translated by William George Clark.